Uh, I want to talk to you tonight uh, and kind of piggyback off his sermon. His sermon last week, if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. It was so good. It's on relationships. And as he preached, I just listened to it. I answered, I made myself answer every question as he asked them. You know, because, and I wasn't, I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. I wish, I hope Brett's listening. You know, Coleman, I hope Coleman's paying attention. You know, or Kelsey. That Kelsey, she needs a lot of help. Thank you. I was just sitting there taking it in and asking myself questions. And it kind of made me think about it really, whether or not, whether you're willing to ask those questions and not only ask them but answer them, not only to yourself but to somebody else, it so determines the power and the authenticity and the authority that you actually eventually walk in. So uh, tonight I'm going to talk to you about uh, wimp to witness. And it didn't, it didn't hit me until I got here and I'm like, oh, that's such a negative word, wimp to witness. Um, my heart, I... I could sit across from every one of you, listen to you for about 15 minutes, and then go, you have a great future, if you want it badly enough. Because that's just how I think. That's how my heart works. That's how God made me. Um, but sometimes in doing that, I can really like push and pull and shove sometimes. Um, Kelly Gould is one of my spiritual daughters, and I was uh, talking to her one time. I said, so-and-so had talked to me about they'd like for me to do that with them. And she goes, oh, you should have them talk to some of us who've been around a while. She said, we could run some of those people off for you because she said, it's not always what you think it's going to be. I, I love Holy Spirit because he's always asking me challenging questions. He doesn't let me get away with giving second best or being mediocre. But he just patiently and sometimes not so patiently calls me to a different place. So tonight, um, I want you to realize uh, one of my heroes in the faith, his name is Bob Jones. He said, whether I take a nap or raise the dead, the pay is the same. What that means to me is, regardless of where you are tonight, regardless of all the amazing things that you're doing, or you may be doing amazing things, but nobody around you knows it. God loves you, and you count. I want to talk to you about building some spiritual authority and spiritual muscle. Uh, spiritual muscle, also known as spiritual authority, I'm trying to wrap this around my ear is developed in a group of disciples. There is always a family reason that you are given authority. And the reason that's really important for you to understand, I started, like as I was preparing, because I actually was going a whole different direction with my sermon, so I literally got, got done at 6.30. I was breathing hard. And what I began to realize is, Jesus didn't take, like, Peter off by himself. Hey, Peter, let's, let's go get some coffee. Leave these other guys, you know. Or John. John's the closest one. He's the one who goes, takes naps on my chest. Let me, 
I'm closest. Let me take John. He didn't do that. I was reading the Gospels just kind of paying. I'm going to take this off because this is going to annoy me. Thanks, Ian. Whoa. I sound like God now. <clears throat> I started looking. He always spoke to the disciples in group. Even when he, like, uh, he revealed himself to the disciples after he rose from the dead. They were really excited. Only Thomas either didn't get the invitation or, 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 or he was pouting or whatever. And you would think Jesus would go, let's see, Judas died. Where's Thomas? And they go, oh, Thomas is having a really hard time. Thomas is doubting. And he go, oh. And then he would explain to them and then poof. Because, you know, he could walk through the walls. Poof. And then he'd just be in the bar where, where Thomas was. But that's not what he did. I was reading it today, and I was like, whoa. Thomas had a hard time. He wondered if Jesus was, if it was really Jesus. And Jesus waited until they were all together again to reveal himself to Thomas. And then Thomas goes, I'm not going to believe it unless I see those holes in your feet and your hands. You'd think, you know, Jesus go, I'm really sorry, Thomas. And he'd give him a big hug. And he'd take him off by himself because it's kind of a private thing. Thomas was doubting. No, Jesus just goes, see, take a look. He does it right in front of everybody. I was like, that seems a little insensitive. The reason that's important for you guys as millennials, and some of you are not millennials, but your generation, it's all about you. You know, it's like me and my smartphone. You just, you know, there's really nobody else in the room. Sometimes it's funny, you'll be somewhere and you'll look around the table and everybody's on their phone. We do that at our house sometimes, me too. I think I'm a quasi-millennial. But you have to understand, if you want spiritual authority, there's always a family reason that God gives that to you. So I want to talk to you tonight and just go over some things that seem really simple. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples as a group. They traveled together, lived together, fought, argued, complained, and got to know Jesus together as a group. Yes, they all had individual relationships with Jesus, but the greatest interaction took place in a group. They were constantly in an encounter with truth. And the reason that's important to begin to look at is because if it's hard for you to hear truth or have, like, intimate relationships, it's going to be hard for you to grow in true authority. Because you have to understand, we have um, a system in the United States where college professors They've never owned a business. They've never managed a single person. And they're teaching business management. Mm. What do you think you're going to learn in that class? You could have read the book and paid less. <laughs> but we tend to do that in the kingdom, too. Everybody wants to read the latest book. I, oh, have you heard that podcast? 
but it takes a little bit to let that come up in your heart and become a part of you. And it's so important as we start reaching for a position that we develop the authority to actually be in that position. So I have some questions for you. If Jesus always spoke to the disciples in a group, are you in a group? Or are you pretty much the Lone Ranger? What's your group like? What are your group's core values? What is your group committed to? And I guess the most important question, are you in a group of disciples? The thing that I love about God is the Bible says in Acts 10.34, he's no respecter of persons. He has absolutely no favorites. Everybody has the same opportunity to be close to him. So he has truth for all of us. One of my favorite uh, historical authors is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He shaped my life when I was in my 20s, and he said, truth devoid of experience must always dwell in doubt. I see some of your faces. You're like, what does that mean? Many of us know facts, but you will never know what you believe until you start interacting in the family. This morning I had, I don't know why this just came to me, this morning I had a young man call me who was beaten over the weekend. And he said to me, you're the closest thing I have to a dad. I want to know whether or not to press charges. And he described the situation to me. And then shortly after that, I had another situation, not quite that uh, physically painful, but much the same. It's only when you step into family and for a lot of us, family is a negative word. But it's only when you start actually living in community and choosing to attach to people and not just, not just great people. Someone said something about, I like a certain type of person. I'm not sure what they meant, but I wanted to point out, um, not all my friends would be on the face of a magazine. I myself wouldn't. It's just attaching to the people that God brings into your life and sharing their lives and sharing their burdens. Truth devoid of experience must always dwell in doubt. If you want to grow in authority, encounter God and decide what are you willing to commit to. Because for a lot of us, we've been hurt. You get hurt in churches. I've hurt some of you. 
<laughs> and frankly, some of you have hurt me. <laughs> and it's only as we choose to grow past that and develop, continue to develop relationship that we grow in authority. I want you to grow in authority. I have this dream. Eric and I share this, and so do many of the people who've been around here for a long time. It's not a, a vague, vaporish dream. It's a very real dream. We want to raise up a gritty army of sons and daughters who know who they are and know how to make a difference in the real world, out on the streets, not here in church. We are passionate about that. Eric sent me some texts, and I was thinking tonight, like, am I going to share these? But I want you to understand how we live. And sometimes, he's such an amazing man. You know, Jesus uh, was a prophet who had no honor in his own country. But Eric is an amazing entrepreneur. And his company, I think they double their revenues, Ashley here, every uh, 10 months. Seven? Six. Every six months. Guys, when I go places with him and I introduce him to some of my, um, the people that I work with who are entrepreneurs, young people, they're all over him. He sent me this text Monday night. He said, the past 48 hours have probably been the most insane of my career. Too much to last. But, and then he explained the situation that happened in his software that impacted their clients. He said, to still be in business is a miracle in itself. Not only that, our clients have been amazing and we have really felt God's favor on the cleanup. Not a single client or customer lashed out or freaked out. We even advanced many of our relationships. Pretty amazing, but I am dead as a doornail. I told him, you're an amazing leader. I'll pray refreshment over you. He said, to make it out of this is probably one of the most remarkable things of my life. I feel very fortunate and blessed. And I said, in all the unremarkably daily ways, you have laid the foundation for this success. He replied, actually, you beat it into me. But at this point, I am thankful. I said, we, I love to use emoticons, so I had a few. And then I said, I'm not quite sure what you're referring to. And he said, plausible deniability. I see your game. He said, times like this, I see muscles you trained in me that I didn't know were there. And I responded with an emoticon with a tear that said, painful accusations against my impeccable character. He said, especially the butt muscles. He said, uh, and then he described the weekend that he had and the past 48 hours, and it was 10 o'clock at night. And then he said, okay, I need to get back to your dock now. I am working on pure genius. I have a nonprofit that we lead, and we have a gala this Sunday. And at the end of a 48 hours like that, his response is, he's getting back 
to the document that we're presenting at our gala to take our nonprofit to the next level. And that blew me away. But we have developed, and he's just one example. I could give you so many. I recently saw a young woman who had a family member murdered. That night, I saw her on the stage as an intercessor. Tracy Marshall and Brandon have a little boy. So Tracy comes for pre-service prayer and prays with us that God will move in these services. And then she goes home because Shane has to go to bed. And Brandon gets off work, I believe at 9 or 9.30, and he comes after he gets off work. He's never in the service, but he comes to tear down every single week. That's amazing. He came over today. He has an interview tomorrow at 1, so if you remember, pray for him. It would be a, a great promotion for him. And he was talking about him and his wife. And, and I was talking to him because I've been with them for a while, and they didn't always have the level of authority they have now. And I was just telling him how proud I am of him. And he said, it's so powerful to have a wife who will make all the hard choices, even when I'm not there. And to know that if something happens that I don't understand and she doesn't have time to explain, she's the most important person in my life. And her integrity is impeccable because she's chosen to develop it in all the small ways. That's so powerful. There's person, there are many people like this in here. And I just have a, it's part of that dream, just to raise up men and women who have muscles, who have a spiritual physique. So let me just talk you through a couple of things. Let me ask you first, what are you allowing to distract you from what God has called you to? Because uh, the nonprofit that we have, we have a dream about what we want to do with that nonprofit. Eric goes through 48 hours and tells me I'm dead as a doornail. And his next little text bubble is, now let me get to my dock. What are you that committed to? I guess an even better question is, what is your passion for God costing you? What did it cost you this week? I want to talk a little bit about worship. Um, I want to read Romans 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. It's so powerful during worship times. I went back to, I don't ever turn around during worship, but I went back to get my, my headset that uh, I'm no longer using. And as I went back, it was so powerful just to see such a spirit of worship over the whole place. Because the more that we do that, the more it will transform your mind. It's just stepping into that place with God and worship and blotting everything out. Last week, you know, sometimes we have services like this. Um, Dale and Matt, Dale Betancourt and Matt Cook, have started to administrate the services, and it's helping me a lot. But I used to be on the phone texting a lot during worship because everything that went wrong I would take care of or give direction. And... Um, Last Thursday was just one of those nights. I didn't realize, I didn't get the agenda and didn't realize I was supposed to lead pre-service prayer and I didn't get here until 10 minutes late. And then um, I'm looking around and I'm like, Eric. And Eric was actually out of town. He flew to LA for lunch and then came back. And um, so I'm like, I'm sure he'll be here. And so I'm, and I find out I'm doing three other things as well. Um, and so I'm like, no problem. So then during worship, one song. So I text him, ETA, question mark. And he texts me back, oh, I'm still at the house. I said, oh, well, we're one song into three songs and no testimony. And he goes, eek, on my way. So then Ian comes up to me and goes, hey, is Eric speaking tonight? I'm like, yeah, go to the media booth. He'll be there in just a minute. Mike him. He goes, Cool. It's great to have a media person who's on it. Ian is on it. And the minute that I said Mike him, I put my phone in my pocket because we're having a crazy night. And I don't need my analysis. I don't need my project management skills. I need the presence. And so when I put my phone in my pocket, I don't often do that. But it was like, I don't care. Somebody can be dying. I will pray that God raises you from the dead. But I need anointing right now because this is a crazy night. And I've learned when it's really crazy and everything's going wrong, connect. Because there's a reason it's crazy. Because we have an enemy who would love nothing more than for us to have that powerful sermon fall on a bunch of mess. Because I didn't have the muscle nor the sand to focus that way, and I tried to think it was all about me fixing it. You develop that muscle as you lead a small group. You develop that muscle as you call visitors who come, and you feel dumb, and you hope you can be cool enough to sound not stupid so they'll come back. You develop that muscle when you stand, walk up next to someone that you don't know, and you ask them what their name is, and you, you introduce yourself. That's the way that you build that kind of muscle so that when you're the person who needs to handle, whenever Eric came in, 
he sat down, and I just got this clear sense of what I needed to do, which I've never told everybody to shut their eyes. I don't, I don't even encourage that. I told everybody to shut their eyes, prayed. Eric was at peace already because we have, we both have some muscles, as do many of you. But the reason I want to talk to you about developing more is because we want to be more muscular than we are. So here's the roids. Worship. When it's time to worship, make your mind shut up. You can do it. Many of us have never learned to make our minds shut up, so it runs our whole life. There's times where it's like, no, you will shut up. I have to tell mine sometimes. I know. My soul, soul, my spirit is in charge. Shut up. And then I have to focus, which means stepping away from everybody else, focusing, looking at the words, singing the words with my mouth, sometimes raising my hands, whatever, whatever gets me out of myself. Sometimes I don't even feel good about myself. Connect. Just connect. Just learn how to connect. Because if you'll learn how to connect, when you're at your job and you have to have a confrontation and you don't know how to do that, you stop trying to figure this out and you connect. And Holy Spirit will give you this, these amazing things to say. When you are so mad, you want to punch somebody's lights out. Connect. Because they ain't worth going to jail over. So worship. Because if you'll do that, Holy Spirit will start telling you things. Um, I, a couple of weeks ago, put on worship music, laid down, put my hand on this hand on my head. I put this hand on my heart, and I started praying in my prayer language. I had never heard of that, but I thought, I'm just going to lay hands on myself. I was shocked what happened. And Coleman did it this morning. Uh, Coleman and Shaddy and I, are, they live, we are all roommates. And Coleman this morning comes down, and he goes, you're not going to believe. I did what you said. He goes, it was amazing. I felt so good. I got all this revelation. Tell them what you said. Uh, God just showed me a lot of stuff. I've always been, like, praying for visions and seeing him and everything. And um, I just did this for, like, 30 minutes. And I've never seen, like, what God showed me. Just angels seeing his face. Just, like, seeing what I'm supposed to do during the day, the week. I've never seen that before, and it made such a difference. And he talked about this like three weeks ago, and I was like, whatever. And then I finally did it, and it makes a world of difference. Try it. Your experience may be different from his. I went to San Diego and spoke at UCSD last weekend, or last week. And Brian and I are in the Starbucks right before I speak, and I start like shaking with anointing from the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, Typically, I know what's going on. I'm like, what in the world? And we're both cool with it. We don't care what everybody thinks. But I'm standing there, and Brian moves around on this side of me. I didn't think anything about it, but I kept, like, shaking with the anointing. So we order our coffee. We go off on the side, and Brian goes, did you see that angel? And I'm like, what angel? Because he's a seer. I'm not. Thoughts come to me, and that's how I hear the Holy Spirit, but he can actually see. He goes, 
there was an angel. That's why I moved over on the other side of you. He said the angel was standing there like this with his arms around you. Well, that's, I was responding to the angelic, but I didn't know it because I couldn't see it. All of us are going to have different worship experiences, but as we share, it's very, very powerful. I want to talk to you about surface, service. A truth encounter with God always draws you to serve in his kingdom and his family. And this is something I want to encourage you. Uh, Dale, if you could stand up. Dale is, he's the guy that kind of helps all the volunteers find what they're doing. Is Ashley, where's Ashley at? Ashley's up there. Ashley works a lot with that. Julie, can you stand up also? Oh, she's with the kids. Uh, Julie, uh, the three of them do a lot of the things that are part of what makes it happen here. If you've been coming and you don't know of a place to serve, see them. We'll help you. We want you to grow up. Because until you start, it's like, you know, you got little kids. That's awesome. But you got a a 10-year-old, and she doesn't make her own bed, and ain't awesome. You're 12 years old, I'm not picking up your cup. Pick up your own cup. You need to do the same thing. Be of service. Because you won't really figure out everything that you can do until you start taking care of family chores. Your confidence will grow. We gain confidence in who we are when we take a meaningful place in the kingdom. You want to feel like a part of it? Be a part of it. You won't be until you do something. <laughs> How's that for awesome encouragement? The other thing I want to encourage you on is brave interactions with God and man. And I'll tell you what I mean by brave interactions. Um... The word says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And a lot of times, our relationships stay shallow and surfacey. Sometimes we don't even, like they're an inch deep. We're like, I don't really have any friends. That's because you're shallow. And you never give anybody a chance. You may not be shallow. Okay, let me retract that. You're not shallow because no one is. But when you're too afraid to really be who you are in any setting, you're going to be lonely. That's the way it works. So if you want to have friends and you want to have a life that has some meaning and some depth to it, you have to find a place to where you can check people out long enough and you realize, I could actually maybe be myself here. I want to encourage you to, we have uh, two small groups right now. One is DNA. It's the first and third Friday night that Shaddy leads. And the other one is Fierce Love that the Clarks, raise your hands, Clarks and the Betancourts, Dale, they lead that. If you're, that's for couples. So if you're dating, engaged, married, that's a great place to go. We've actually had a couple of couples go there and stop dating because they, as they, like, started going, 
they started realizing we're not really ready to be in a relationship. Most of the couples that go there, it's, it's very, it builds you because Clarks and Betancourt, they just tell their own lives like they really are. There's powerful stuff there. So I just encourage you, there is a place for any of you. Uh, if some of you are interested in um, musician, you're musicians, you want to sing, we have a worship, we call it a worship conference, the first Saturday of every month. We'd love for you to come to that and see what it's like. Just find whatever place you want to find. Find a place to serve. On Brave Interactions, it's learning to talk. It's like what Lisa described, stepping outside your comfort zone and just risking just a little bit. Just be yourself. Peter, Peter was always the blowhard. You know, he always had to make sure everybody knew he was in charge, large and in charge. I probably have the most potential here among the disciples. So, you know, Jesus is, he's explaining, you're all going to desert me. And Peter's like, pardon me, Jesus. <laughs> I know these losers might desert you, but I never will. And he's like, actually, you'll leave me. You'll, you'll, you'll like betray me three times. He's like. You obviously, you might be the son of God, but you need to grow in a little discernment. <laughs> and so, you know, lo and behold, all it takes is a little girl to ask him, weren't you with them? He's like, no, I wasn't with them. He does it two more times, and then the rooster crows, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my goodness. Jesus has the most powerful interaction with him because they all go fishing. They were super, super strong until Jesus left. The minute they thought he was gone, they didn't have the muscles. They all went back fishing. And Jesus comes. Peter jumps out of the boat, swims to the water, and he's so excited to see Jesus, and then he remembers the rooster. Oh, and he remembers also how embarrassing what he said in front of everybody. Like, I'm going to be all that. They might leave you, but I never will. All those stupid things I said. You can imagine how he felt. And Jesus asked him three times. Three times if he loved him. It's like... Jesus, give him a break. He said he was sorry. Jesus wasn't playing. Because Pentecost Day was coming. So we ask him three times, once for each betrayal. And there's a place you want to go with God. Because if you never go there, if you never let him talk to you like that, you ain't going to be much in the kingdom. And I want all of you to be something in the kingdom. You have to let God ask you the hard questions. Last Friday, is it Friday? I spoke at DNA last Friday. Worship is ending. Worship was awesome. Uh, Tina and Amanda led. And just as it's ending, the Holy Spirit goes, uh, about this in your life, that's got to change. 
He was talking to me about holiness. Right before I speak, I'm like, you would think, do you not know that I'm speaking and I'm going to be here when I'm done? Could we talk then? And Holy Spirit's like, actually, no. Because I want you to have anointing and I'm done with this area in your life. I've walked with the Lord enough times I didn't have that conversation about, could you wait until after this is over? He pointed it out. He's been so gracious to me, but he pointed it out, and I said, I'll find a way to take care of that. And then, because I'm a son, I didn't have to sit there in shame. This is the other thing that you have to learn. The Bible says that a father disciplines every son he loves. God had just proven that he loved me. So I don't have to sit there ashamed nor embarrassed. I got to sit there like a son who's just been told, I want you in a different place. And then I turned around and did what I was supposed to do as a son. You will never get to that level of confidence in the Lord until you let him answer, ask you the hard questions, answer them, and then discover what his character is as you sit there figuring everything out because he does not leave you. I had someone tell me that they had been sexual recently. And I said, I'm so sorry to hear that because I know that that's not your heart. And I, and I felt tears. And so they were able to be who they really were and cry because that's really what their heart. They were expecting me to be tough. I didn't need to be tough. God knows you. When you walk into his presence and he goes, Eric, seriously? He said that to me today. I, he talks to me like he gives me brave conversations every day. In traffic today, I finally had to start speaking in tongues <laughs> over myself. <laughs> and I said, I know, Lord, and I will not act like that. He was like, thank you. But I didn't have to be embarrassed or ashamed. You've got to practice brave communication with people. That's why a lot of times you're afraid to come to a small group or you're afraid to be around somebody that you think is powerful or discerning. I used to be so nervous around people that had a strong prophetic gifting. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be around them. What are they going to see? What are they going to say? And then I understand, began to understand God gives prophetic giftings to people to give you vision for your future. Anybody who ever gives you a prophetic word in this place that makes you feel despair or hopelessness, you need to let me know because you need to shake that word off. That's not prophecy. That, it's certainly not a mature prophet. We call those lies, word curses, and accusations. You feel free to break that off and shake yourself. God loves you. He wants to have brave communication with you because he wants you to be your very best. He wants you to be a powerful son. 
He wants you to know the value of yourself, daughter. He loves you. So I'm going to ask Nicole to come up and share. I have to tell you, Holy Spirit loves you so much. God is so, he's so in love with you. So I just bless you that whatever uh, revelation you need from tonight, you'll just let it drop on a heart that knows that you're loved.